From a thought to a dream, from a dream to a seed, the price of freedom 
you can understand for you've been wounded in your heart and you've been torn apart still to this world you're like a promised land oh america keep holding to god's hand and keep the light of freedom shining bright to every land keep a watchful eye and a loving heart on every woman child and man and america keep holding to god's hand from the first he was there hearing our forefathers prayers and as you struggled he has been a friend so true now as you're standing proud and tall don't you forget who did it all he's a guiding hand that's brought us safe thus far oh america keep holding to god's hand and keep the fiber burning throughout all the land keep a watchful eye and a loving heart on every woman child and man oh america keep holding to god's hand Hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, His truth is marching on, sing with me again, glory, glory, hallelujah,
holding to God's hand. Oh, America, keep holding to God's hand. And keep the light of freedom shining bright to every land. Keep a watchful eye and love every woman, child, and God bless America. It's always amazing to me how God puts things together. Um, I, I'm going to preach from Ezekiel 22:30 today, and listen to this verse after what Brian just sang. And I sought for a man among them who would who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. That's God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, and he's saying to the, to the nation of Israel, you've drifted. And I looked for someone who would stand up for the truth and stand up for me in the midst of the people to say, we've drifted. We're not where we once were. We're not where we should be. And when you look at this, this verse of Scripture and you back up uh, to verses 23 through 29 that, that precede verse 30, you find out that God lists their offenses. And he says, uh, they have defiled the articles of the temple. They've quit respecting the house of the Lord. They've disregarded the Sabbath. They've, they've even quit gathering uh, and keeping that day holy. They have extorted... Uh, the poor, and they've grown wealthy as they've done that at the expense of, of the poor folks. They've robbed foreigners, they've oppressed the needy, and their false prophets, now get this, and their false prophets have placated them with misleading messages of hope and forgiveness. Do you hear what that's saying? God's saying through Ezekiel, you have, you have turned your back on me, you've started living for selfish purposes, uh, and I've looked for someone who will stand up and say so and call the people back into a, a relationship with me, and I've not found anybody who's willing to stand up and say, hey, we've turned our backs on God. And so God says, because of this, my judgment is going to come swiftly. Listen to me. According to Scripture, according to the Old Testament and the New Testament, you cannot walk away from God and continue to live in the flow of his blessings. God wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. But when we, when we walk away from him instead of continuing in a walk with him, God is looking for someone who will call the people back to fellowship with God. When you look at the book of Revelation, the, the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia, you find that in the majority of those letters, God is calling the church to repentance. He's saying, 
once you were on track, once you were doing the right thing, he writes to the church of Ephesus and he says, you've forsaken your first love. For you loved me at one time with all of your heart and then you let things crowd in and you drifted away from me and you need to repent and go back and do the first works over. In other words, you need to turn away from the things that have pulled you away from me and come back into a relationship with me. God's looking for someone to stand in the gap. Can you say amen to that? And we are the ones that God is wanting to use in that way. But there's something very interesting that has happened that applies to our generation. It's applied for some time now. The Old Testament time was a different time. God was preparing the people for the day of redemption that would come in His Son, Jesus. When Jesus came, how many of y'all know that changed everything? I mean, it absolutely changed everything when Jesus came and finished his work. As a matter of fact, when he died on the cross, the last words he uttered before taking his dying breath was, it is finished. God's redemptive plan was completed in that moment when Jesus died upon the cross. His blood became our forgiveness. The Bible says his blood was shed for the remission or the forgiveness of our sins. In, in the Old Testament, the prophet said, Though our sins be as scarlet, may they be white as snow. And Jesus made that a reality. When he shed his blood, there was an opportunity for us to be in relationship with God in a, in a, in a, in a wholeness that had not been known in all of time. It's amazing what happened in Jesus. So because of Jesus, it even changes the meaning of us standing in the gap. Because in reality, Jesus, as the way and the truth and the life, He is the one who has forever stood in the gap. Amen? He is the atonement for our sin. He is the mediator that allows us to be in a, in a, a relationship that is abundant and free because of His shed blood. And so the gap has been repaired through Jesus. Uh, when you look at the Old Testament, you find, for example, the Hebrews made a golden calf uh, as an idol while Moses was up on Mount Sinai. Moses came down. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. He broke the tablets before them uh, in, in a moment of, of righteous indignation. And then he turned and went back up on the mountain. And when he went up on the mountain, God said, uh, these people have turned their backs on me and I'm ready to wipe them from the face of the earth. And Moses began to intercede in behalf of the people. He stood in the gap. He said, God, please have mercy on them and, and, and don't wipe this nation. Lord, raise them up and allow me and, and those who come after me to be the people who are calling them back to that right position in relationship with you. And God honored that prayer, and he spared them on that occasion. And then David sinned by taking a, a, a census. And the reason he took the census, King David wanted to know what a great king he was. And so he said, go out and number all of the people God had told him, don't take a census. Your greatness is not about how many people are in the kingdom. Your greatness is because of me. And don't go out and number them, but he sent them out to take a census, and they came back, and sure enough, the kingdom had grown larger than ever before, and David swelled with pride before the Lord, and God came against him and told him that he had done the wrong thing. And David, sorry for his sin, went and purchased a threshing floor that was there in Jerusalem, and he built an altar, 
an altar and he offered a sacrifice to ask God for his forgiveness for him and for the pride of the nation. And God honored that prayer. And here's what's interesting. The place where David offered that sacrifice on that threshing floor would become the very site where the temple would be built by his son Solomon. Did you know that? That same site is where Abraham offered his son Isaac on the altar. You talk about holy ground. A lot happened there in that little piece of real estate. And, and God honored the prayer of David as he stood in the gap and said, Lord, I've sinned and I'm sorry, and please have mercy on us. And God had mercy on the nation of Israel, and eventually the temple was built. But the, again, the most important example of someone standing in the gap is the fact that Jesus came and offered his life for our redemption. Nobody had ever been able to stand in the gap like Jesus stood in the gap. Because you see, year after year in the Old Testament sacrificial system, the priest, the, the great high priest, would offer an atonement for sin. Every year it had to be repeated. The book of Hebrews says when Jesus came and offered his blood on the altar of sacrifice that that sacrifice was once and for all sin. Never would there have to be an animal sacrifice again because the blood of Jesus eternally flows in behalf of those who would bow humbly before him for forgiveness and for salvation. The ultimate act of standing in the gap before God's judgment is found in Jesus Christ. Our sin left us vulnerable. To divine punishment, but Jesus said, I'm going to make a way for you to be reconciled to the Father, and then I'm going to give you the ministry of reconciliation. This is how standing in the gap has changed. Before, Moses and, and David and a host of others would go before the people to warn them that they had drifted from God, and then they would offer a sacrifice, and they would offer a prayer, and for some time the people would come and once again follow after the Lord. The book of Judges is a perfect example of what, what happened in recurring fashion. Things would get going pretty well after they came back to God, and then people would drift and they'd start doing things that they thought were right. As a matter of fact, the byline in Judges is, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. And as they continued to do what was right in their own eyes, they would drift away from God. And they would drift so far that they had just completely forgotten about God, forgotten about the book of the law, and God would send a judge who would come and call the people back and, and ward off the enemy, stand in the gap, if you will, push back the enemies, bring the people back to fellowship with God. And they would repent and they would renew their fellowship. Things would get going good, and they would forget again, and they would start doing what was right in their own eyes. It happened generation after generation after generation. Things changed, but never really changed. Let me tell you what changes everything. Now it's not an external law, but it is an internal presence. It's not a holy writing that we give ourselves to, it's a holy Savior that we give ourselves to. And God promised that the day would come, and it has come in Christ. The day would come when the law would not be written on tablets of stone, but God would come and write his love on our hearts. And he would change us on the inside. He would change our desires. He would change our thinking. 
He would change our very reason for living. And so it wouldn't just be when we're at church that we would be in his presence, but would, it would be 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and 366 on leap year. Every day of our existence, every hour of our, our existence, every minute of our existence, there is the possibility of having Jesus living in us. That's standing in the gap. God promised us that when we pray and we don't know what to say, that he would even allow his Holy Spirit in those moments to make intercession for us. That's standing in the gap. Everything changed with the coming of Christ. And so the question that I asked this morning is, Lord, how would you have me to stand in the gap? Because there's no way that I can stand in the gap like Jesus stands in the gap. So we, we dare not drift back to an Old Testament interpretation of this passage of Scripture. God, bring us to a New Testament understanding of what it means when Ezekiel says that God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. The way we stand in the gap is to lift up Jesus in the understanding in the eyes of people. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Your job and my job is to talk about Jesus, to make people mindful of Jesus, to draw their attention to what he accomplished there on the cross. There's a need for us to stand in the gap for those who don't see what we see or understand what we understand, who, who cannot in their own power get them, themselves to the place where they need to be. And I tell you, my mind immediately goes to the Bible story where there were four men who carried their crippled friend to a house where Jesus was one day, and they didn't find it easy to get him into where Jesus was. They went up on the roof and tore away roof tiles and lowered him right in front of Jesus. That's standing in the gap. The man was crippled. He could not get there for himself. They said, we'll get you to Jesus because Jesus is who you need. Jesus is the one who can lift you up off of that, that bed and give you legs at work. And they lowered him in front of Jesus, and Jesus forgave his sins and then healed his legs, and he went home carrying his bed for himself that day. But it never would have happened if it had not been for the four friends who were willing to inconvenience themselves and commit themselves to the, the process, if you will, of standing in the gap by lowering their friend into the presence of Jesus. I'm telling you this morning, spiritually, there are people who are crippled. And they don't see what you see, and they don't understand what you understand about Jesus. And they need someone to care so much about their eternal soul that you would become involved in a relationship with them that has the aim of helping them to meet the best friend they could ever have in this life or for all of eternity. God is calling us to be friends to those who need a friend. To stand in the gap for those who need to see Jesus for themselves. Okay, here's another Bob Goff story. You're going to get so tired of these, you'll finally read the book, Love Does. But he tells a story about he's going, um, 
think I've got this right, Uganda, I believe is the country, but he's going to stand in the gap for children who are being exploited. He's made a number of visits over there, and he's seen the atrocities of trafficking, and, and, it, and it, it is horrendous what is happening to young people in that country, and the government seems to just turn a blind eye, and he has decided that since the, since the legal system is not taking up their cause, that he is going to rally support in the United States to go over there and make any, a difference in seeing these kids set free. Now, you talk, advocates for children who don't have the opportunity to stand up for themselves. And so he goes to Ashcroft, and he says, I want you to go with me. And he said, I waved my arms a lot, and I talked excited as I normally do. And when I got done, he said, Ashcroft, ask me, what's the plan? He said, that is the plan. I want you to go over there with me and see who we can connect with, who we can build a relationship with that will allow us to stand in, in the gap for these kids. And so he says, surprisingly enough, Ashcroft agreed to go. And so they took an entourage over and they started to read the briefs that were related to the cases that were just laying there, nothing being done about them. And they ended up making a huge difference uh, in the lives of, of these children by advocating for them. And he says, here's the thing. He said, I didn't have an organization and I didn't have a program. I just determined I'm going to go over there and I'm going to make friends with people that will allow me to be in position to make a difference for these kids. Stand in the gap. And he said, we went over and after having 200 cases, we started to learn how we needed to go after the rest of them. But here's what's tucked in the midst of this story that I lifted out for today that is a powerful statement. I pray that God will help us to, to get this and to latch on to this. This is an important word. I think, I think it is keynote to what God put in my heart to share here today. Because how many times have we heard messages on standing in the gap and then nothing changes? We just keep doing what we've always done. And so we keep getting what we've always gotten. And God spoke to my heart and said, here's a word that needs to be embraced, that needs to be understood, that needs to be held in high esteem because this can make all the difference in the world. And here's what... Bob Goff said in the midst of this story, organizations have programs, people have friends. Friends trump programs every time. Do you hear that? Friends trump programs every time. Why is that true? Friends have a heart for the people they're serving. Programs sometimes just, organizations sometimes just become machines that we spend more time keeping afloat than we do really helping people. Uh, I, ha I have this, or I had, I don't have it anymore. I had this uh, app that was connected with my pharmacist, my pharmacy, that was supposed to help me manage prescription refills, keep everything up to date. Somewhere along the way, there became two lists. There was a list of prescriptions, 
And then this list over here was the prescriptions that could be refilled. And they didn't match up. Over here on the prescriptions that could be refilled were two prescriptions missing that were over here on this other list. But on this list, I couldn't refill that prescription. I could just see it. There it is. Yep. He called it in. It's good until next October. You go to the list where you can refill. It's not there. I went to the pharmacist and I said, um, There's some, something's wrong here. Well, show me. So I showed them. And they went in their computer and they said, It's not letting me do anything to update that. I'll have to call the developer of the app. And I'll get back with you. And it's a good pharmacy. I'm not here to give an advertisement, so I'm not going to mention the name. But good people. I, I really like them. And, and they really look out for their, for their patients. So called me back, I mean, just that day. And I, I wasn't expecting that. Got a hold of them. They're going to be in touch with you. They're the ones that have to uh, put this all together. We're not able to do it. Let us know what happens. Okay. So I'm going down the road, and I get a call. And, y'all, if I get a call from some number, and I don't know it, and your name doesn't come up, not today. <laughs> Boom. You know, I'm, uh-uh. I'm not, no. So then I listen to the message, and it's them. We need to talk to Ron Bauer about his app, da-da-da. So I call them, and they said, we need you to send us a screenshot I know, right? Need you to send us a screenshot of the two screens and we'll see what we can find out. That's been a month ago and I haven't heard back from them. You know what? You know what the difference is? They're an organization and I'm a number in the midst of their organization. My pharmacist went to bat for me because we're friends. The organization, guess what I did? I deleted that app. Went back to the pharmacy. They said, did you get that straightened out? I said, no, we're going to do business with each other. No more app between us. Y'all know what I need. When it's time to refill one, go ahead and refill it. Give me a call. I'll come pick it up. If I don't have the money to pay for it, I'll bring Becky's bank card, and she can pay for it. Organizations and programs can become quite impersonal. And here's the, here's the, here's the kicker, y'all. When you spend more time trying to get an app to work than it's worth, it's time to get rid of the app. When you spend more time keeping a program alive than you do helping people, you need to get rid of the program and get out in the midst of people. I'm telling you, the way to stand in the gap is for us to have a friendly heart toward the human race. For us to care about people. For us to notice when someone has drifted from the Lord. For us to be that person who says, hey, I know someone. And if you, if you could open up to him, you'd be amazed what a difference it would make. His name is Jesus. Andrew went and got his brother Simon, Peter, and said, you've got to come see this guy I met today. I think he might be the Messiah. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, stands up in the midst of all of these God-fearing Jews who've gathered from all around the world in that, in that area of the world. And he said to them, hey, I've met this person. 
that you crucified. And I want to lift him up to you today because he is the Christ. He is the one who can change everything in your life for better. Standing in the gap is a, in this day and time is about getting people into the presence of Jesus. It takes a lot of prayer, a lot of praying for that person's heart to be ready to receive that friendship of Christ. It, it, it takes a lot of loving. It takes a lot of building a relationship of trust. Listen, listen to me. If these four guys had not been the crippled man's friend, do you think he would have submitted himself to their idea of going up on the roof? I think not. I think he would have called others to his rescue. If he had not known these four men had his best interest at heart, there's no way he, they, he would have let them quietly take him up on the roof to lower him into the presence of Jesus. But you see, he knew, these guys love me. These guys care about what happens to me. These guys are standing in the gap for me. And the, and the whole idea of, of standing in the gap has to do, the, the, the image is this. A wall around a city protecting that city from the onslaught of enemies. And over, over the course of time, there's a section of the wall that becomes deteriorated, dilapidated. And no longer is the security there. There's a breach. It's broken. The enemy can readily make an advance. Someone standing in the gap means I'm not going to just stand by and let that happen. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to stand by and let people just march into a burning hell. Lord, help me to be a friend to people. Give me the opportunity, Lord. Prepare their hearts. Give me the, the divine appointment in which we can sit and talk together about what Jesus has done that they might open their hearts to the best friend they could ever have for all of eternity. I'm excited because standing in the gap is not about a program. It's not about the church just being an organization. It's about us caring enough about people that we'll talk to them about what the Scripture says concerning Jesus. Close, closing remarks. It's interesting that God said, you've dishonored the temple. You've quit keeping the Sabbath. You've broken the law over and over and over again. And you've gotten to the point that you're not even sorry for it. And to make matters worse, you've surrounded yourselves with priest who will offer an empty word of comfort that pacifies you in your sin. Oh, it's okay. The priests were giving false hope by offering false prophecies. And God's heart was broken. He said, I can't even depend on the ones I've called to stand in the gap because they care more about you liking them than they care about you being saved. So they tell you what you want to hear. 
so you'll like them, so that you'll support them, so that you'll put money in the offering box. I'm looking for someone who will stand up and say, if you don't turn around, if you don't turn to Jesus, you're in peril for all of eternity. God was saying, really, I'm looking for a prophet who loves the people so much that he cares more about them walking with me than he cares about them liking him. I've had a lot of mentors in my day. Bill Neese was one of my mentors. We miss him. My Tommy said, Dad, when Bill Neese prays, that's what I think God sounds like. Great man. He walked out of church one day and he said to me, if preachers don't start caring, a more, don't start caring more about the salvation of people than they do their own popularity, we're in a mess. And then he said, thank you for preaching the gospel. Here's what the Bible says, and I close with this. First John, the fifth chapter, it says, if you have Jesus, you have life. And it means eternal life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. You might have religion without Jesus, but without Jesus, you don't have life. We need to remind people how eternally important it is for them to open their hearts to Jesus. That's standing in the gap. How amazing. When he said it is finished, he forever filled the gap. And now if we would dare to be those friends who would take our spiritually crippled friends into the presence of Jesus. He's not called us to fix anybody. Fixing is for God. He's called us to love everybody. Organizations and programs are trumped every day by friends. Who is God putting in your mind this morning that he would have you to stand in the gap for? That he would have you pray for every day? That he would have you love in the ways that he is making opportunity for you to show them that you really care about them? Who is that person that one day will say, I will forever be grateful for me, I will be forever grateful that Tommy Morris carried me into the presence of Jesus. There are people, Lord, who need us 
to care about them, to care about their eternal well-being. There are people who have not seen Jesus like we've seen Jesus, who don't understand what we've come to understand about salvation, your redeeming plan, what it means that you said it is finished when you said that on the cross. Lord, there are people who need us to love them with a boldness and yet a kindness that will not give up on bringing them into your presence. Your only hope. You are our only hope. And so help us to help others to find you for themselves. The devil does not want us, Lord, to speak the name of Jesus. Give us an authenticity about speaking his name. We hear you, Lord. I sought for a man or a woman among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. Lord, here we are. We'll stand in the gap. We'll be a friend to those who don't know you.
Lord, I 